Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best, to implement, and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. Today I've been joined by Mark Billsborough. Mate, welcome to the call. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Easy, mate. So maybe I'll hand over to you for a couple of minutes, mate. Maybe just a bit about your journey, what you've been up to over the last couple of years. Yeah, look, uh, do you want to start from right back when I was a... (laughs) Yeah, mate, go for it. Yeah, I'm super curious about your journey. Like I find that's always, you know, the most interesting bit. Yeah, okay. So look, I'm a bush kid. I I grew up in Gundawindi, which is about four hours west on the border of uh, Queensland and New South Wales, the, the good side, though, the Queensland side. So, right. so uh, yeah, and grew up there. My dad was a fitter and turner. Mum, mum worked as a bookkeeper for dad and, and some others. And, and look, it was a, a good life. It was a, a small town, about 4,500 people, played rugby league, golf, cricket. And sport was really, really my life as a child. And then... In high school, I had the opportunity to, to go to a boarding school in Toowoomba and, and went there went there for five years. And then after that to USQ in Toowoomba and got half my degree. And my parents pretty much said, we, we can't afford to send you to uni anymore. You've got to go out and get a job. And, and I, was, I was really lucky. And that was in 1993. So you can imagine the tail end of a recession and it was pretty tough. The, the, the unemployment rate was quite high, and I was really lucky to get a job here in, in Brisbane with a company called Penn. Was, uh, transformed a few times over the years to RPS, uh, and I I went there with half a degree, and so I was there for twelve years. And I guess over that twelve years, I finished off my degree, and and then went on to get my uh, cadastral endorsement, and. Uh, and yeah, so, and, and that was a really good time. I learned, learned from a lot of people, high quality surveyors uh, in that business. Uh, you know, Greg Purcell, uh, Andrew, Andrew Quinlan, Andrew Thurston, you know, there's some, some other names there, uh, Andrew Garrett. So yeah, there's some really high quality guys there that I work with and had the opportunity. I guess it just got to a point you know, where I wanted to move on and, and try something different. So, and, and different it was. I went from property development to, to working on a railway uh, project with Thies. Uh, and that was completely different. That was well outside my experience and comfort zone. And, uh, you know, and that was a great project. I really tested myself and, and what I 
what I knew. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a really good project to be involved in. And that, that project was coming to an end. And then I, I had a, uh, just a chance meeting with Craig Wood, one of our directors. He was doing some work next to the railway project that I was working on. And then I just said, this, this project's coming to an end. Do you guys have any work? And, you know, that's where it sort of rolled into me, ending up at Bennett and Bennett. Yep. You know, so, so it was a real sliding doors moment, I guess. So, you know, it was just a fantastic. I, I knew of Bennett and Bennett, so, you know, in the industry and how, how good they were and the, and, the, uh, and the name that they had. So come in for a few interviews and, and ended up getting the role as a, as a senior surveyor. So, so yeah, and that was, uh, that was really good those first couple of years and then I guess that was that was around the time when there was a big boom in, in gas and infrastructure and I, I took on the role as the mining and infrastructure project manager and, and, and trying to source projects that, you know that were really booming at that time and that led us up to Dugold River a, a mine up near Cloncurry and some other gas works had all yeah and that's it was really, really tough time. I guess we were expanding very quickly and trying yep. to laugh and, you know, implement new systems. So, you know, it was, it was tough. But anyway, we got through it. And it was around about, I guess, 2014, you know, construction, oil and gas was starting to come, come off the ball and then the old river was ending. And so I guess there was opportunity for me to do something else and that's when, uh, I guess, the opportunity for, a, for the operations manager role for the whole business come up and, and, and also the HR, HR side of the business. So I looked after operations and HR. Yeah, right. And that was, yeah, I never... never Would have been different. <laughs> I never had a goal to be the HR manager. That was never it. But I guess there was just a need at that time and I was available. So I, I took it on. And, let me tell you, it's probably the hardest role I've ever, ever done in my life. And, yep. And, and sort of goes on the back of what, what you, you know, what you've been coaching us, you know, the different personality types and understanding that and, you know, how to approach different people. Yeah, it's, uh, it took a lot of patience and a lot of understanding and I had to, I had to upskill pretty quickly. That's what yep. So, Baptism of fire, eh? It was. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, the, the managing director at that time, so that was Greg Short, and he announced that he was he was going to be stepping down. And then, yeah, I guess, I guess he come to come to a vote on on. I put myself forward for the managing director role, and yeah, I was lucky enough to be voted in by by my peers. And, you know, here we are today. Yeah, congrats, well done, mate. Yeah, so so this is uh, it was four four or five years ago. So yeah, we've and then. From that time, we've, we've done a lot, we've grown a lot, and we've still got some more growth to come. So, Yeah, good, mate. It's been an interesting 30 years, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm keen to kind of dive into a lot about your journey in terms of, you know, what you sort of learned through, through, I guess, those different phases. Like I remember, you know, some of the consultancies I was part of in the, in the PM, PMM, Conics. RPS days, you know, did a lot with the likes of Jim McNulty and those kind of people. So, yeah, I know, I remember they, they grew rapidly, which was, which was pretty crazy. And so I guess, man, I'm curious about 
yeah, focusing in on your, your time at Bennett and Bennett, but really, you know, your journey from HR operations through to MD, like what have been some of your biggest, biggest learning? Look, the, the, the need for a plan and, and understanding that, that at this level, my time frame is, is a year. If I, if I try to put, implement something, then it's probably going to take a year to really you know, come to fruition, you know, and that might be a new, a new time sheeting system or something like that. You know, you've got to, you've got to plan it, implement it, train, you know, you know, as, as simple as that, or a, or a new, uh, you know, acquisition. It's, it's a year time frame that I'm constantly working to, which is, which is quite frustrating at times when you're a surveyor or you're on the tools. It's, it's a day. You, you, you know what you're going to do from day to day. You deliver, you go out and do some work, deliver it. You know, in that short time frame, it's it's getting your getting your head around and getting used to those longer time frames again. And it definitely does take a different mindset, that's for sure. So yeah, look, and the need to to continually network across the business, I think, is important. Continually reach out, talk to people. It's very Why is that important. important for you? Sorry. Look, that's important just to just to make sure that I understand how. You know, maybe some of the different challenges people are having. We've got four four offices, fixed offices, and then one one office uh, major projects. You know, and that's there's projects all over Queensland. We've got you know guys at Arcadia, Arcadia Valley, you know, up near Claremont, Gatton, Warwick. You know, it's uh, it's constantly reaching out and just making sure that you know that there's not things happening that we we're not aware of. So yeah. So yeah, that's. I guess that's the main things that I've, I've really sort of had to had to had to work on, you know, and evolve into. So yeah, good. I mean, I'm curious to dive into. And I've just I've just come fresh from a training with everyone in one of my group pro- coaching programs, and we're talking about the different type of mindset, and so the the difference between, like, the training I was running was all all about the the technical thinking versus strategic thinking and sort of you know the 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 difference between the both like technical is obviously very linear very much once you've got the parameters defined it's quite easy to then put the you know the train on the train tracks and you can just go down a path and then there's obviously strategic thinking and creative thinking and there's they are very different like if you think that you can you know, move from a from a, a project meeting where you're thinking linearly, uh, linearly to then going to a strategic me- meeting. You, you've got to make a conscious shift into a different mindset to get the most from that particular yeah. discussion or that brainstorming session. How have you gone about that sort of shift for yourself? Like, it sounds like that was something that you had to get used to. What was the process for you? Look, that that is tough, and I, I guess no no one person you know, has, has all the skills to be a, an excellent technical thinker and then an, an excellent strategic thinker. You, you have to work on it. That's, that's what I have noticed. And I, was, I come from a very technical, you know, for about 20 years or 15, 15, 20 years working in that technical side where I yep. got licensed and, you know, I was working, working to very rigid guidelines and, and directions. And, and look, it, it does, I've, I've had to really focus in on that and you know include people that have those skills it's 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 that that's the key i think is is accepting that you know you, you can't be perfect at everything but, but to surround yourself by people 
they can definitely bring the best out of you and, and you know and help you know and help help come up with a plan so strategic plan is a great one you know it's it's something i enjoy you know am i the best i don't, I don't think so but i've got plenty of people here that that you know can input you know that i ask for input and uh, you know come up with a pretty good plan you know for the next five years so so yeah it's I guess accepting that, that, you know, you just can't be perfect at everything, but surround yourself with people, you know, that are. And was that, again, a conscious move for you or did you sort of put, put your head up at one point and go, geez, I've surrounded myself with really amazing bunch of people that I can lean on? Or did you find that you, I guess, what, the, what was the transition like for you into the MD role, moving from that kind of, you know, being being charge of operations and HR and that kind of thing into a role where I assume you have to really leverage the strengths of the people around you. How did you manage that transition? Yeah, look, that's that's a good question. I, I think coming from bigger companies like 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 PMM, we'd started to sort of go on that journey. So back in I remember two thousand six, I did my first Myers Briggs Myers Briggs and learned about that and learned about the different personalities. So yeah. You know, I was aware of the 16 different personalities and how different people, you know, excel in different areas. So, you know, I guess, you know, and, and then being part of strategic planning there and then going from there to Thies, which was, you know, next level on top of that in terms of planning, I, I, had, I, I had some skills around that. Yep. And so, you know, it was a, a learning process. So it's not like... So I guess by the time I got the Bennett, I... I, was, I I had a pretty good understanding of, of how things evolve, you know, a strategic plan evolves. So, so yeah, look, it's, again, it's, it's been a, you know, a work in progress, that's for sure, you know, to turn, switch one day and saying, you know, it's, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking strategically, you know, it's, that's, I think that's how it works. It didn't work for me that way, that's for sure. No, mate, I think it's, it's nice and refreshing to hear you sort of come from that that viewpoint, which is, you know, these skills are new, they can be learned. Because I find not not everyone, and I won't put everyone into a box, but I find like particularly in our industry, when people are moving from quite a technical role yeah. where they have built up a very strong, solid skill set and they know their technical expertise quite well inside and out, and they can go to a client meeting or a you know, local state government meeting and hold their own technically. And then they're given the opportunity to move into a leadership role. And it's a totally, it's a totally different skill set. And I do find that sometimes people get stuck in the, I've come from a technical role and I, I pretty much knew everything about that role. And I've moved into a leadership role where if I'm being honest, like I'm pretty much out of my depth. I'm quite uncomfortable here but I don't want to let people know that I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to ask for help. And so they like, mm. I find that transition. Sometimes the ego comes up and goes, I oh, don't let people know that, you know, you, you don't know what you're doing and stuff. And there's a, there's a period at which they go through where they have to learn sometimes the hard way that there are people around them that they need to leverage their time and, and ask for help and, and learn new skills. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is the time when the ego comes through and, you know, I've, I've, I'll put my hand up and say, yeah, it's, it's affected me in the past. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not, not immune to it. I don't think anyone is. But, but yeah, I think it's being, being authentic, being honest that, you know, we, 
working working as a group, you'll achieve much more than than you know an individual. And if you're a sole practice owner, you know, reaching out to someone like yourself or getting external help to help you through that journey, you know, there's a lot of value in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, I'm curious about, so your journey as the MD, obviously you've learned some stuff. Things have probably gone well. Things probably haven't gone so well. Like yeah. what, what would you say in terms of your sort of personality traits and how you approach the role do you think have you know, really served you over the last four or five years? I think, I think by nature I, I am a caring type person. I, I do like to, to touch base and, and, you know, talk to people. I think, I think because I was the HR manager, I, I did have a good understanding of, of all the personnel in the company and in the different regions. So I already had a pretty good relationship with everyone before I'd stepped up into the MD role. So, so yeah, look, I think, I think just, just being approachable, affable, you know, and, and, and just trying to meet everyone. I think that's, you know, because, because we're, we're located in different, different regions, it's not always easy. Yep. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I think, Thing making the effort to to know people, know their names. You know, we've got 130 people now, and I'd, I'd be pretty confident that I'd know most people's names. So, but yeah, I think that's that served me well. Is is uh, you know being that sort of personality, that's for sure. Yeah, nice. And taking the convo one step further, like, what are you still working on? Like, what's something that you've recognised in yourself? You like, that's not going so well. I need to kind of work on that or strengthen that. Yeah, I guess uh, when when I'm when I'm in the trenches working on something, I probably don't communicate, you know, all the time about what I'm what I'm working on or the stage that I'm at. And I guess understanding that there's stakeholders in the company, be it equity partners or different managers, you know, who probably need to understand that that information a bit more, uh, you know, readily, frequently. So, yeah, look, I, I think that's something that I've, I've really noticed about myself over the last year at least. Uh, one of them. Yep. Um, and that is just the constant communication of, of you know, of milestones or, or projects that I'm working on just so people understand, you know, what, what's happening, what's planned for the future so they can have their input. That's one yeah. Mate, yeah. no, thanks. Hey. Yeah. I hope that made sense. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think that's, again, I think a lot of people you know, listening can probably relate to that in terms of when you get into the trenches and you need to get that stuff done. Again, it's that sort of technician thinking versus strategic thinking. You just want to get from A to B in the quickest time possible and you tend to forget the the EQ piece, the communication with the team, the communication with the clients. And I often find with my coaching clients, that's one of the things that makes them come unstuck more than anything else is, you know, not not talking and connecting and communicating more than more than they currently are because they just you know they're in delivery mode and they've forgotten to talk about the fact that they're in delivery mode and they've got you know things coming up that's right yeah it's easy to slip back into that but uh, yeah that's that's always a challenge yeah yeah good mate thank you for being honest no worries yeah i want to talk a bit about culture so is there any sort of Obviously, you, you would, you'd sit around the board table and talk about strategic planning and where you're taking the business and that sort of thing. Does culture sort of feature in those discussions and 
you know, how do you feel like the culture is currently and where, where are you taking things from a, from a culture of staff retention, staff happiness point of view? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So, so it was about five or six years ago, we, we had some very generic values, mission statement, that type of thing. You know, it was all, you know, we want to be the best at everything and, we, you know, as staff. <laughs> you know, yeah, take over the world. It was very generic and it was, it was written, you know, with, with, a, with a good, you know, a good intent, but it probably just didn't drill down into exactly what we wanted to see. So I read a book called Legacy by, I think it was John Kerr, which talks about the All Blacks and how, how, they, how they rose after, I think it was the 2003 World Cup, how they were sort of reached bottom and then, you know, started this trajectory. And it was fantastic. And it, it was all about culture. It was all about values. And then I put it to the, the partnership group to read the book and they all did. And then we, we sat around in a workshop and come up with our own, our own values. And that's how we got the five values that we got to today. <laughs> and look, that, that, that is then intertwined into everything from our, from our interview process that we do with new candidates all the way through to, to how, you know, our peer reviews with our staff, peer reviews with our, how the partners peer review each other. And that is the basis, the, the bedrock of, of, of how we want to operate is, is, around those five values so and then each year we have values awards at our christmas party with those who have shown you know particular strength in one of the values that we have they're awarded given an award at the christmas party and you know celebrated in front of the whole the whole company so so look it's you know i think having that is important having having that that purpose you know, the values so that you can yep. communicate pretty easily to your whole, uh, to your whole workforce and, and living it too. It's important that the leaders are living it and, and it's just not, it's just not words. You know, you have to, you have to be seen as, as, as being a leader, you know, in, in our, in one of our values and yep. being authentic. So yeah, that's, that's important. How do you, just sorry to interrupt, how do you go about, the conscious process of living the values like is there you know do you do it at a, at a director and, and sort of senior executive level do you sort of remind each other hey yeah. you're not quite you're not quite acting in alignment with our values like is there a bit of a accountability piece at that sort of senior exec level yeah there is absolutely well first of all the values are put up everywhere around the office so you know like it room you, you go to they're there and like i said the peer reviews each year we 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 uh, equity partners measure each measure each other, you know, on the values, and and that is the opportunity to say, hey, I'm not I'm not happy with, you know, the leadership that you've shown over the last year, and and here's why, and I think I think you should pull your socks up, and yeah, yep. it's, it's it's very confronting at times, and you know, but it's it's for the better, the the the, the purpose of of building a good culture in a company is, you know, you need that, you need that honesty, that authenticity. Uh, you know, and it's and it, it it has worked. I'm happy to say that you know, the leadership team has really has really shown that. So, mate, that's so, so good because it because yeah. it does. You know, it starts at the top in terms of if there's a if there's a disconnect or an inauthenticity around values on a wall versus actions of the leadership team. Well, you know, that starts yeah. to sort of filter through pretty pretty negatively pretty quickly through the through the ranks and. 
you know, that doesn't go well. Yeah, and uh, and then I guess the culture following on from that is is about living living those values. And you know, I've I've been in workplaces where you know you you can lose a culture pretty quick. It's yeah, take a long time. You know, we've got a few bad apples in there. You know, and they can drag they can drag the culture down pretty quick, and it takes a long time to get back. And you know, we're we're conscious about that. Any 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 situations that you know we think we need to need to address, you know, we we try and get onto it. So yeah, good mate, that's yeah. awesome. Client relationships, like I'm curious about. Actually, I wouldn't mind having a discussion without, you know, revealing too many company secrets in terms of your, you know, your growth plans and that sort of thing. Is it a sort of a mixture of, you know, more work from existing clients plus new work from new clients, you know, plans for acquisitions of smaller businesses and that sort of thing? You know, what's what's on the radar for the next five years? Yeah, so that's a good question. We've uh, Last year was about us coming up with our, our strategic plan and we, we spent a lot of time you know, trying to understand that, what, how far do we want to grow? Do we want to, you know, in terms of regions, what sort of numbers do we want to get to, our capabilities? And, and you know, we, we come up with a pretty good plan, which is a combination of growth and numbers and also, you know, capabilities. And, I, you know, I'm happy to say that we're, we're, we're on a trajectory to, to reach that. So, yeah, there, is, there has been one M&A and there's probably a couple more to come. Hopefully, over the next few months, we can announce, you know, some something around that space. Exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And also some new capabilities that we're working on as well. So, you know, you'll see it on our socials, no doubt, about what's going on. But, yep. but yeah, that, that is... Uh, and look, it's, we've, we've got some key clients that we work with. Multiplex is a great example where we're, we're with them at Queen's Wharf and then working with them at the domestic barracks update upgrade sorry you know they're the sort of clients that we want to aim for is is those 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 larger with a good reputation aligned with how we want to work yep so yeah look unfortunately there's been a few you know you pro build and you know they've they've uh, they fell over in the last few months you know we were lucky we 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 didn't we didn't do a lot of work for them. Mm-hmm. We weren't in the price bracket that they were looking for. You know, unless, I guess that's where we want to position ourselves. You know, as as a as a reputable company that gives good quality, but you know, we, we obviously charge accordingly. Accordingly, yeah. No, I like it, mate. In terms of actually, that's probably that's probably a number of questions in that in that piece. Actually, in terms of like if you're instilling within the team below you around the client relationship piece like what are sort of the top three things that you know you talk a lot about in terms of developing good key client relationships yeah look project management you can break it down into three three elements so you've got your price your your quality of the work and also the timing so that's that's what we focus you know our our direction for our for our project managers is it's it all it all comes back to quality. It's very hard to argue for a, for a higher you know higher charge out rate or a higher fee if you just can't deliver on, on quality or timing. So you know that's that's where we really focus in on is those two areas and, and just providing you know those two elements 
to a client, we'll get you repeat work and you know and, and separate us from from those lower charge out you know companies. So yep. I guess that's the main thing that we focus on. Yeah, good. And in terms of increasing charge out rates and increasing the cost, like what sort of journey have you been on there? Is that sort of somewhere where you you started low and, and work up? Like what's been the strategy there to kind of and I do a lot of work with my clients around charging what you're worth and holding your ground and that sort of thing because yeah. I think, you know, the last thing you all want to see is this race to the bottom that's just stripping profit out of everyone's businesses. Like that's just, it doesn't create a sustainable economy for anyone. So, you know, what have been the biggest decisions there at an executive level around charging what you're worth? Yeah, that's, that's a, really good, a really good point. I heard this morning that's, that the, the disparity between engineering and surveying companies and their, their profit and turnover versus architects who were, who were about 5% lower. And that was coming, coming from a, a banking executive who's noticed that, you know, with, with his clients in both of those areas. So, so yeah, look, it's, it's not easy having to have that conversation with a client and say, I understand you've got another quote and it's, it's 10 or 15% cheaper, but, you know, we can... We can offer a lot more. It's it's never easy. I mean, and as a as a project manager, I guess you're measuring yourself on your on your ability to win. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there's always a temptation to, you know, the price is the is the is the reason. So you know, it's we we took a, a specific direction last year that we we wouldn't do that. We would we would hold our ground. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's it's worked out well. It's it, it's we haven't lost any major major clients. I'm happy to say we've probably yep. got the clients that we you know we didn't didn't really prefer to work with. And so, you know, but it all comes back to obviously you know ensuring quality in that timing. That's what it all comes back to. It's very hard to argue that you're, you're charging at a higher rate if you can't if you can't deliver on that. So exactly, so yeah, it, takes, it takes courage. It's not easy having being that person who's who's having that conversation with the client. He's like, mate, I've got another quote. It's fifteen percent cheaper. Yeah, want the job or not? And the temptation is there. Yep, I'll do it. Oh, we've all been there. And yeah. and how do you find the convo goes if you do then sort of stand your ground and push back? Do you find that you lose a percentage, or most of, most clients turn around and go, "You've got a good reputation. We know you deliver." Okay, fine. Yeah, you do, you lose a percentage, but again, it's it's probably that. In that percentage is clients that, you know, they're they're just after the lowest price. They don't they don't have the relationship. They're, they're just filling a number in a spreadsheet. They don't really value, you know, the, the the you know what we bring in terms of our experience and our quality. So, but yeah, it's it, it is it, it's a, it's a leap of faith. That's for sure. It is. Yeah, I talk to my coaching clients a lot about when you're in that space and you exactly what you just said, I've got another quote that 20% cheaper. What do you want to do? Like it is super uncomfortable. And, you know, again, I talk to my clients a lot about that's the time when the the people pleasing traits will sort of come to the surface and you'll want to say yes, just to avoid the difficult conversation. But that's really the time I believe to then sort of switch the conversation to actually of value, like the value that you can bring to the project, the value you know, if they're an existing client, they know your track record. If they're a new client, well, then you that's up to you to then in that discussion, instead of, you know, getting all defensive and haggling over 5%, 
then you flip the conversation to, you know, what's, what's the client outcome? How can you add value to their world? How can you get them the outcomes they want that, you know, I'll make down the road who's 10 or 15% less than you can't actually achieve. How, how have you found those conversations go when you sort of switch the, the convo from price to value? Yeah, look, we've obviously done a lot of training and, and Josh, you've, you've, you've helped us out in that area about how to have that conversation. So, you know, and, and how, to, how to really focus in on the value that you bring. So, uh, look, it, it ha- as I said, it hasn't been easy, but, you know, you've got to have it. If, it's, if, if you want to... If you want to get a good return on, on your investment, you know, not in, in some cases, a very large investment you've made in your business, then that's, that's the way you've got to do it. And you're going to lose some. Yeah, but you'll, yep. you'll win a lot more than what you think, I guess. I, I agree. It's a percentage game. Mate, to the next five years, like what are you excited about doing in the next, you know, five years with the business? Yeah, look, so... The next five years is is a like I said we, we spent a lot of time last year coming up with a strategy and I guess on the back of that we realised that we we needed a, a more focused group a more focused board to try and implement those those growth targets that we had we'll we'll invite a non-exec in someone from outside the business just to give us a bit of a bit of perspective and yep. you know keep us honest and, and a bit more. Uh, you know, knowledge and experience around that sort of growth. You know, we're great surveyors, but you know, we don't really know what it's like to get from 130 to you know 200 or whatever. Yep. So you know, I think I think that's important. Just having that outside perspective, saying, "Hang on, guys, you're pushing too hard here," or you know, yep. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know. That's right. So so yeah, look, that's and that's exciting. You know. The, the partnership group but agreeing that that's what we need and you know that's only just formula it's only just formed in the last couple of months so yeah we're, we're staying to to push ahead with a few things and like i said it's a few things i'd, I'd love to announce now but i just can't just yet <laughs> all good and so yeah obviously growth plans cracking that 200 number is that that's something you're looking to achieve yeah, look, that's 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 the the BHAG, the big hairy uh, audition. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and we had to we had to anchor everything off that. That that was that's what came first was was you know this insane number that we wanted to get to. Um, yep. Uh, and try and you know work around that and and you know look, I guess you just break it down by bit by bit and over the five years you, you know it's definitely yep. terrible, so. Yep, chip away. away. Made exciting. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, keen to watch the journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no so, doubt you'll be involved at some point too, too Josh. To help looking us forward to it, mate. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, I guess, mate, final question. You know, obviously, you are the sum total of all your experiences to date. Some good, some bad, some amazing, some some a bit ugly. Say you're getting the opportunity to sit down with a ten-year younger version of yourself for a beer or coffee. What? What advice or you know words of wisdom would you impart on the ten year younger version of yourself? Who's you know obviously you've got the knowledge now. What, what would you tell them? Look, I'd I'd say you know you you, you need to be you need to make a decision. They're not always going to be right. Only time will tell. But I guess based on the best the best information that you've got, you know a, a decision has to be made one way or another. You know on a, on a on any topic, and I think that's what 
what people look for in a leader is, is just make a decision, you know. We, everyone's looking up to you and, you know, and, and that's the important thing is that you need to be able to make a decision based on the best evidence that you've got and I think that's important. The other one is probably, you know, be yourself. That's important. You know, try and trying to be someone that you, you're not. And I was probably guilty of that when, when I first moved into the role, was trying to be someone that I wasn't. You know, I'm, I'm just a simple, simple bloke. You know, I'm, I'm not some business genius or, you know, anything like that. I'm, I'm, I, I am myself and I, I guess accepting that, you know, is important because, you know, people can sniff that pretty quickly if you're trying to be someone you're not. Absolutely. You know, whether that's, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or a motivator or, or whatever, you know, you are what you are. And so, you know, just be yourself. There's good examples of great leaders who are introverts or extroverts or motivators. You know, there's, you, you don't have to be one to be a good leader. So I guess it's, uh, that's one thing I've learned. You communicate your message far more powerfully if you, if you set the example. If you're leading by doing, if, if you go around and say, this is how I want invoices done from now on, and then you go and do something different, then you know, you just lose complete credibility on, on the message you're trying to get out. So I think, I think that's important. If you, if you, if you want change, you've got, to, you've got to set the example. I'd say you, to be a good leader, you need to be the one who raises the, the issues and has the uncomfortable conversations. Thies had a good saying, a, a safety saying is you, you you know, you walk past the standard that you accept. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's true. That's true for leadership as well. If you're in this role, you've, you've got to be the one who's, who's bringing up those uncomfortable things. And, you know, and it's not easy. But I, I don't like confrontation as much as the next person. But, you know, it's, that's, that's just what I've got to do. So, yeah. And I think, I think the most... The most important part is have some fun and create some energy. I think we spoke about one thing I'm, I'm guilty of, and that's that's probably that. So I, I need to work on that, having having more fun. You know, it's not all about nose nose to the grindstone. You know, celebrating some of the yep. So have more fun, and uh, yeah. Some of those other things that I spoke of. Mate, thank you so much for agreeing to catch up. Where can people follow along the journey, both yours and obviously Bennett and Bennett? Look, we've got our socials, so we've got LinkedIn, and we're, we're constantly posting on that. And so Instagram, Instagram, Facebook's more about our cultural side of things, so our, our people. But where the business is heading is probably more LinkedIn or our blogs. Uh, you can sign into our blogs or our website uh, and get, get updates through there. Mate, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again for agreeing to catch up. I mean, here's the next five years, hey, mate. Sounds exciting. No worries. Thanks, Josh. Thanks cool. for having me on. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, mate. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Don't forget, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources. Or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. 
Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.